What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Buongiorno. Buongiorno to you as well. And thank you for joining us on this new episode of Team Chat Podcast, where we talk about games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. New episodes come out Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Central Time. And you can listen to those on podcast services around the World Wide Web, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. But you can see a complete list of all the places you can listen to us by going to teamchatpodcast.com slash where to listen. You can also watch a video version of each episode on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash Team Chat Podcast. You can also find us on other social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join our Discord. Links for all that stuff is in the description below. And if you're really loving and enjoying what we're creating for you each and every week, you can head over to patreon.com slash team chat podcast, whereas for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the show. And in return, we'll give you cool perks like getting the episodes early before their general Tuesday release and our private Discord channel for our patrons, the Rogues Gallery. And in that channel, we share some behind-the-scenes stuff from our recordings. We share some early access to any additional videos, not only the, the episodes and things that we put out for you on a weekly basis. And so it's a lot of fun content, extra content, extra little bits behind the show gonna, get shared in that Discord you're channel. You're going to want the behind-the-scenes, at least from this week, because it has been... Yes. It's been, it's been something. It's been something getting started. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This is my fifth try at getting the introduction down, Pat. We have and been... Finally, that was <laughs> an acceptable one to me. You know what I actually was thinking that it might be? I think the problem was that in all of the previous four attempts, I wasn't looking at my phone. Oh, and I you was were looking full at attention you. To me. Oh, my God. I was paying attention to you, and now it's like, man, That's I got to look at my phone. At first, I thought it was uh, Henry. No, it's that I was looking at you. sitting over here sleeping all cute and cuddly, and I couldn't ignore He's him. He's so cute. I then thought that it was because I stayed up until 3 a.m. seeing Avengers Endgame last oh, night. Oh, it could be that also. Maybe it's not just my intent judgmental game. But it was the judgmental gaze. <laughs> I, I do think that's be, what it was. I still kind of think that's what it was. <laughs> I just gotta look I gotta like distract myself by looking at Henry or the phone, anything or else. Sipping on this sweet, sweet, delicious passion fruit LaCroix. Not sponsored. We just love it. Hit us up, LaCroix. But let's just go ahead and jump into some <laughs> okay. news. Find out what's coming out soon. Damn it. We're gonna have some and any other bits of fun that we think we should talk about from last week. So everybody bear with me as I work these next few episodes on getting all of my self in order. I got a new phone, finally, mm. after many years. And as is the nature of people that are as old as I am, it's always a bit of a struggle bus <laughs> to uh, get back, get on the new technology train. So uh, out now, so as of this past weekend, you will have seen SteamWorld Quest, Hand of Gilgamesh, not Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. I assume it is perhaps a giant mech. I'm going to look it up while you're looking at God, I would hope so. So, SteamWorld Quest, Hand of Gilgamech, and that came out for the Switch on April 25th. Also came out this weekend, Box Boy and Box Girl for the Switch, April 26th. Days Gone for the PS4, April 26th as well. And then uh, also over the weekend, sorry, it was an action-packed weekend, Super Meat Boy Forever came out for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, iOS, and Android. All of that was on April 26th. And then coming out today, as of this episode's air date, is Final Fantasy, oh, Roman numerals, uh, Final Fantasy twelve, The Zodiac Age, finally hits Xbox One and Switch April 30th. I believe that Zodiac Age has already been available for uh, Sony services and I think maybe PC, mm -hmm. but it is now finally hitting Xbox One and Switch April 30, this episode's release date, and then coming semi-soon, not very soon, but semi-soon, The Legend of Heroes, Trials of Cold Steel 2. Ooh, four. That's quite sounds action-packed. 
impact. These uh, colon names are killing me, dude. And I feel they, like there have been a lot of like a lot of really so long title lately. games coming out lately. These people need to get it together. Uh, so, anyways, The Legend of Heroes: Trials of Cold Steel Two for PS4 that comes out May seventh, and then in the near future, Yakuza Kiwami Two comes out for PC May 9th, and also on May nine, Life is Strange Two. Episode oh, three. I completely missed we that it was May finally, 9th. Because we keep forgetting. Yeah. Keep forgetting because it's been ages since it's last been, episode. I don't remember what happened last time. Where? Uh, anyways, Life is Strange 2 episode three uh, comes out for PS4, Xbox One, and Switch on May 9th. Very nice. So I did look it up. And yes, there does appear to be mechs in that one. In Gilgamech. Gilgamech. Yeah. It looks like it's a, it's a, a turn-based battle game similar to the Bravely Default style. Isn't the epic of Gilgamesh a fairly religiously I based text? believe it I is. I mean, not... I mean, would you consider it like a... And this is air quotes here. Like a biblical text? I think it is. Or centered around that. I'm actually not very sure. I'm not sure. sure where it kind of falls on lines of being like epic poem kind of like the odyssey and the iliad versus i don't know i don't know either i'd have to do more question research for on the that historians yeah historians i feel like i should know epic of gilgamesh but... question mark <laughs> what is it <laughs> let us know we, we know very vaguely what it is. <laughs> we know video games and not much you else. know that'll be my thesis when i eventually go back to school i'll be like gilgamesh versus gilgamesh <laughs> which is better <laughs> which is Better. Find out. <laughs> Find out more <laughs> on this story at uh, the graduation ceremony for uh, Mogan. <laughs> there you go. But one other news story we did want to hit on. Within the last week, it, it news broke of yet another crunch scandal hitting the games industry. This time, though... I will say, I was surprised to find out the the culprit in this leaks and its Epic Games. It was recently announced that, again, similar to what we've heard from other places, employees were finding themselves, or employees are reporting that they were having to work 70 plus hours a week on occasion and just really putting in the extra crunch time. But the, big, the biggest, um, the biggest thing about this one, though, is that the main reason that they felt they were forced to, to, work these longer hours is because they had to keep up with the constant flow of changes and updates to Fortnite specifically to keep it fresh, to keep players coming back and to keep the content engaging. And so I think this is interesting because then the next day or so, I believe respawn came out, you know, they're the creator creators of apex Legends, saying that they're going to roll out their changes on a seasonal basis rather than more of the, of, hey, this change needs to happen, we're going to roll it out this week, as well as keep up with everything else we're trying to do in an effort to try to stem this crunch time that is you know, is becoming really a plague of the gaming industry lately. It is. And, and not saying it hasn't been before, yeah. but like it seems more prevalent that more and more of these stories keep breaking. And that could be because of the strong push right now for game developers and everything to unionize. And so this could be like more people being like, hey, like, yes, we need this because this is happening literally everywhere kind of a thing. See, like you know, when you say so, things like I was surprised to see that it was Epic Games, really, I'm not surprised to hear this from anyone. At this point, from we shouldn't be. any no, developer, I, be. I feel like we shouldn't be surprised, and that is that makes it all the worse. Mm -hmm. Because if it is such an endemic problem that it's literally everyone having to put in what are really insupportable hours. No one can live a real life if you're having to work 60 plus hours per week. And some people at Epic Games are reporting like, what, 70 hours plus? 70 hours plus, yeah. That's not a life. And no. it's not worth, I mean, hot take, it's not worth video games. No. Like if you're no. having to put in those kind of, that, that type of drain on your own life to make any particular game happen, it's not worth it. It's not worth that level of personal soul-sucking, crushing work so, I mean, I'm very 
I'm very personally biased towards the pro-union stance. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly why, because we see so many of these stories coming out now. And it's Where it just like, really seems that people are take, being taken Yeah, and of. it's like, what's the solution? The solution is stronger workers' rights, and that primarily comes through unionization. So Hollywood, for example, a lot of the film industry have really strong unions, and I feel like in their case it does help. You would probably know a little bit more about this than I do, but video games are increasingly the type of media or I would say that they're operating at a media at a level of media that is more on par with films, for example. Mm-hmm. And the closer they get oh, yeah. to that type of benchmark, the more you need to have protections in place for your workers. So, right. so the, a lot of this Polygon has a big article on this. It is how Fortnite's success led to months of intense crunch at Epic Games by Colin Campbell. Uh, but just a quick highlight from that quote: In a dozen interviews conducted by Polygon over a period of several months, current and former employees say they regularly worked in excess of seventy hours weeks, with some reporting 100-hour weeks. Contract staff and Epic's Quality Assurance and Customer Service Department spoke of a stressful and hostile working environment and working overtime, while officially voluntarily was an expected service to the company. Although contract staff were paid overtime, developers report a culture of fear in which they were expected to pull long hours as part of their job. Some reported suffering health issues after working consecutive months of 70-hour weeks. So anybody would have health issues from that. Oh yeah. I mean, especially if you're in what you feel is a hostile work environment, you get like racing heartbeat, constant anxiety. None of that is good for any human being at any time, Mm -hmm. let alone extended periods of months of game development. It's just, it's not, I I, I hate to reiterate it, but it's just not worth it. Mm -mm. Like just quit or find a better way to, make yourself known to your employer in terms of a union. It's just not yeah. worth that type of Because of honestly, loss. honestly too, like I've, I've worked in environments before also, not in film in, in like, well, no, I mean, I guess in, in video and stuff like that, where it has been the kind of thing of like, don't, you know, where it, you did feel that pressure of not, of, you know, five o'clock wasn't your end time kind of a thing, you know? And so it's, it's not a fun way to be, but like, it's not to this extent. I've no. never in like, I can't imagine. How I mean, so, so let's say that you work a typical Monday through Friday, 40 hour week. That mm-hmm. means that you start around 8 AM, you end around nine, 9 PM, six, 5 PM. Gosh, what am I thinking? If you add on an additional 30 hours onto any of that, that's at least an extra, what, three to five hours per day, mm-hmm. you can't live like that. No, you really Nobody can't. can. That's not acceptable. Right. And so later on in the article, it does say a representative, quote, a representative for Epic conceded that workers had endured extreme working hours. Quote from the representative, people are working very hard on Fortnite and other Epic efforts, said a spokesperson in an email interview. Extreme situations such as 100-hour work weeks are incredibly rare. And in those instances, we seek to immediately remedy them to avoid recurrence. But meeting player demand and main, and this is uh, not a quote anymore from the person. But meeting player demand and maintaining the game's momentum has forced some to endure ongoing crunch. And so that's what I was alluding to earlier, where it's just like they, these issues come up: either a weapon's broken, something needs to be changed, or another update. While they're all, so they're trying to fix all these things, QA test them, roll them out, release them, you know, then fix any errors that those created while still trying to maintain and create and push new things. So like you can understand how that can just create this seemingly unending stream. And so that's the interesting thing that I see that respawn coming out saying that they are going to try 
on a more seasonal rollout basis rather than a knee-jerk, you know, reactionary basis of, of updates and changes. And I think that that's, that that's fairly standard for most online games outside of this new, you know, crop up of these massively multiplayer online games like Apex and Fortnite right, the and games PUBG. as a service stuff. Games as a service. Because you have tons of other games that fall into these very large online categories like Overwatch, StarCraft, mm-hmm. League of Legends, and I feel like they don't adhere to the same rapid fire response rate as games as a service do. Yeah. Which I think may ultimately be helping the other the other type is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm phrasing it badly, but I think you get the gist. No, I get what you're, yeah, I definitely get what you're saying. And so, you know, the point to this that I'm interested to see how this does affect the pro-union conversation and how that rolls is as games of service, because this is a relatively, it's a few years old at this point, but still a somewhat relatively new model, I feel like. I could be wrong, but I feel like for, no, for I, gaming. No, I think so too. And I still, so I feel like there's this learning curve but and I'm and I'm not saying this to excuse this to excuse crunch. No, crunch should not be happening. And, but it's it's going to be interesting to see how these as the people are trying to adapt to this new newer business model, how that affects and works its way into this unionization conversation. Yeah, I agree. So. We really need t- t-shirts that say like "unionize now." <laughs> I'm sure there's <laughs> yeah, somebody got, out there on something. the internet can put that on, <laughs> can put that together. But uh, so yeah, so again, it's sad to see another example of crunch, and hopefully. Changes can real changes can actually be made to avoid these situations from happening in the future. I'm going to go into union law school. Wow, that's bold. I, I'm I mean, sure it's there is something <laughs> you know, to find a passion to pursue. And as I'm soon as I find that university, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump into our main topic, which we're going to. Uh, this was actually Moment's idea to go on this because these are kind of like first impression-esque episodes. But One of my it, many terrible ideas. <laughs> had wonderful ideas for, for topics. Do not shortchange contributions. <laughs> but this is – we're going to talk about some demos. And we've actually kind of had this one on like a back burner topic for a few weeks. For and, a while now. So we just finally, haven't gotten to circle back to it. Right. And so we're going to talk about two different game demos that came out within the last few months. But the first one we're going to start off with is one that, on its announcement, you were very interested in. Yes. So this is a game, so we'll just go on ahead and say it. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about the demo that I have now played for Damon X Machina. So Damon X Machina is the giant mech sort of anime-styled game for the Switch that was, I think, debuted at E3 circa 2018, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty pretty accurate uh switch 2018 that sounds right so damon x machina's entire premise and this is going to draw some comparisons to a way older game that you're not going to have any idea what i'm talking about oh i think i do though i'm gonna guess it's zone of the enders no actually that's close though (laughs) that was a really good try excellent try um the actual comparison that i was going to make is So ages ago on the GameCube, there was a semi-obscure but kind of cult-hitty game called Custom Robo. Have you ever heard of Custom Custom Robo? Robo. Okay, for anybody that's not familiar with Custom Robo, the main exposure that I have to it is through a uh, Let's Player that I like on YouTube called Alpharad. He's really well known for his Smash videos, but him and his friend did one of this, uh, they did a long series about this game, Custom Robo, because it was one of his favorites from his childhood and they were replaying it, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Custom Robo's premise is, of course, this is early GameCube era. The graphics are terrible. The story is highly questionable (laughs) but the gameplay was fascinating and looked really engaging and fun because the concept is 
you know how like a Pokemon trainer has a Pokemon in a ball and they throw them out for fights? Imagine the same thing, but what you throw out is a small customized mech, like your own little mech robot, and it has all of these weapons and outfitting that make it more or less capable in battle. Mm. That kind of environment is what Custom Robo was going for. So you would send out your mech, you would fight against other AIs, and depending on what you had equipped in terms of your armor, your weapons, your boosters, your sub-weapons, those would affect how well you did, of course, and it would actually be real-time battle between you and AI or other player. Custom Robo is a really, in spite of its many flaws, <laughs> is actually a really good game. Mm-hmm. When I look at Damon X Machina by comparison, it looks like, and this is a highly opinionated view, probably no one else will agree, <laughs> but when I look at Damon X Machina and what I've played, it felt like they were trying to go for the joy of this customization of your robo being your giant mech, along with a more grown-up version of both the tone of the gameplay itself and the battle mechanics of the game. Mm -hmm. So the gist of Damon X Machina is you are protagonist blank. You literally create your own character. The character creation uh, aspect of the game I did really enjoy. You get to choose a lot of different aspects of your character. You can change your skin tone, hair, eyes, scars, all this other cool stuff. You can change your outfit. And I was like, how old can I be? Because you know you I'm really, want to be I'm really into being an old grandma. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried my very best to become an old grandma. The best I could get was like white-haired young young female and i was like no <laughs> if i can't add wrinkles and be an old you know grizzled I mean? battle-hardened grandma i just want to be anna in every game <laughs> i can't help it so i couldn't quite get to there so even though the character customization is pretty good mm-hmm. i won't say that it's entirely expansive in terms of i don't think you can technically it's not like fallout level you can't like i don't think you can change your body type so like you're always going to be skinny you're always going to be fit Mm -hmm. you're always going to be relatively young but even so i still did really enjoy the character customization but character though is not really what the point of the game is the real customization comes from your mech so you are a character john smith That's who you are. (laughs) And when you get placed into at least the demo. Now, this could be very different from how the game actually plays when you get your hands on the full version, which, to my knowledge, a formal release date has not yet been set for Damon X Machina. It is supposedly coming out in 2019. When I checked earlier today, I didn't see a formal release date. So I would assume Q3 or Q4 of 2019 at this point. We're almost at summer and there's no hard release date. So that's what I'm thinking is going to be the case. But basically, you are a nameless, technically faceless character dropped into this world where you are kind of like, kind of a a military-esque mercenary person. Maybe not mercenary isn't quite the right word, but you work for an organization Mm -hmm. and you are essentially helping them keep the peace on a planet that is fraught with all kinds of disasters, various mech-related conflicts and you have to fight against all these other mechs to make sure that the world is actually functioning you know in some sort of semblance of order right uh the gist of the game is really in terms of story this is kind of my first complaint about the game Mm -hmm. of which i will be up front and say i have many complaints at least from the demo and this again could just be because it's a demo it's not a fully fleshed version of the game everything felt 
very unexplained and very sudden and very like, hey, we're going to throw at you all these different characters. They clearly have their own faces and their own characterizations. They've got their own names, but we have given you no introduction to them. So here's character A, B, and C, and they are somehow related to you, and you're supposed to like them, I guess? Mm -hmm. Question mark? So one of the initial things that I kind of had a bit of whiplash from was the demo continuously throws these new characters at you that are, you know, NPCs. They're right. not they're not you, they're NPCs and it's like, hey, here's all these people you're interacting with with zero context. So clarifying this isn't this the demo does not start at the beginning of the game. It's like a chunk from the middle? No, so th- what the demo is, I think you could most closely equivalent it to um test trials Mm, like it's it's really more of a curated assortment of missions that i think are more meant to give you a mechanical feel for the game and i feel like the demo has really come up short in terms of balancing that mechanical feel versus what what am i supposed to feel about the story Mm -hmm. because at this point from what i've played i have no freaking idea right i don't know if i'm supposed I don't know who the good guys and the bad guys are. Oh. And that's a very like black and white way to phrase it, but I'm like, I don't know. But it's still, like, but that's like I'm, the point. Yeah. Of I'm like, am I whose side am I on? Yeah. Like even I can't tell. I'm like, so should I be like feeling like you're my buddies and maybe I'm on secretly the bad side mm-hmm. or am I on the good side? I genuinely don't know. As much as I played, I cannot tell, and I finished quite a few of the uh, I finished quite a few of the test trial missions. So I have no grasp of what the game or what the demo wants me to feel about this wild game. So it just sort of plops you into these test trials, and it's like, all right, champ. Go for it. it. Here's all these people that you're interacting with. Don't ask us why, because even we don't know. And I'm like, cool. Interesting. Because So that's an interesting thing about it. Because And yes, a slight detriment to the game itself, it seems, because even you saw the trailer for the game when it was announced, You and that got you excited enough it did. to want to play the demo. Yes. But I feel like between the trailer and the demo, you should be able to have an idea of what the game will actually be about and what no your goals idea. are. I don't. I have no answers to any of those questions. Not good. I I don't know what my goals are. I don't know whose side I'm on. I don't know who I am, Jared. (laughs) I don't even know who I am. Well, because I I asked to clarify about if you if you knew if it was from the middle of the game or from the beginning of the game. Because the anthem demo did from a mission from the middle of the game. Yeah, and for its its demo, and they explained before the demo came out that like, hey, this is from the middle of the game. You're so some story things may not make sense. We've tweaked some things, so you're not going to experience what a typical loot drops and things like that would be in when you would experience this moment in the normal playthrough. But still, so it's like they. I like that they did that because I I honestly for the type of game that Anthem is, I understand why they would want to pull something from the middle of the experience because you're not having to do the demo where. Basically, you're running through the tutorials. Right. It gave you enough to figure it out, but I also kind of like that it did, to some extent, drop you in the game. So here's where I think that's a really good comparison to make for starters, because I feel like where the Damon X Machina demo is coming up short is that it does seem to be this isolated set of missions, essentially. The problem is it is also a tutorial. Mm. So it is both trying to teach you how to play the game 
while also throwing all of these very ambiguous story elements at you because you have no context for what these are supposed to mean. So in terms of where you start with, it's like, hey, trainee, hey, newbie, hey, new guy on the team, here's your mech, here's how you play, and it's trying to teach you how to play, which is a very important part of a game like Damon X Machina. Yeah. But as a tangent to all of this are all of these nonsensical story elements that you're like, I don't know how to even form an opinion of these kinds of things. So it kind of leaves you just sort of treading water in terms of, I don't know if I should like any of these characters that I'm interacting with. I don't know how big of a part they're going to actually play in the game. Mm -hmm. So really all you can, at least for me, all I could really base my opinion on of Damon X Machina demo as a whole was, what does it play like? What does it feel like? And even there... I feel like it was not necessarily a mess. I don't want to use the term mess because I don't think that's entirely correct. It's my knee-jerk reaction. Mm -hmm. When I think about the time that I spent playing it, I was like, wow, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> and part I of played that, a game, I guess. I played it. I played multiple missions. How did I do? Unknown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, I will say that it felt very non-intuitive. Okay. Um, a game like Damon X Machina, and the reason, partially the reason that I drew this comparison to Custom Robo, is that in the context of the game, on like the on like the playing field, the plane is you have blank dome. It is probably actually an X by X square of your playing field. So you have full range of control of motion within that hemisphere, within that sphere. As a robo, you can accelerate up, you can accelerate down, you can either be on the ground and sliding around, or you can be flying around f freely through mm -hmm. the air, which is one of the components that I was really excited about. You have full range of going up, down, left, right, backwards, forwards, diagonally. All of that is technically within your control. The problem is navigating within the game's control scheme feels very unnatural. Hmm. Uh, even after playing a number of the missions, I felt like I really didn't have a good grasp on how I was best able to optimize my gameplay. And that could just be the learning curve. It right. could be that you have to spend more time with it to be able to actually feel like you have a strong semblance of control of your mech. But for me, from playing all of these uh, demo experiences, I came away with it feeling, feeling like I knew less than when I started. I was like, so, okay, I know how to shoot stuff. Mm -hmm. The lock-on system seems really confusing. Not really sure how to like use right. my artillery fire accurately. You blow stuff up to create a healing field? Question mark. It was a lot of very not super well explained mechanics, and I felt like I had these huge gaps in knowledge of just what am I supposed to be doing in terms of customizing my mech to be able to have meaningful battles on the battlefield, and I felt like I never had that click. Hmm. And that could just be the demo. It could just be that it's a shitty demo. You never yeah, know. It could be the, could the be final the game could be great. But, but when I came away from Damon X Machina demo as a whole, I, I don't feel good about it. Yeah. And you Which, know. That's disappointing yeah, because of how excited you were from the trailer. And one of the big things that the trailer really like hooked me on was like its heavy metal soundtrack. Right. 
not that impressive of a soundtrack really at least in the demo i mean maybe it really like ramps it up in the actual game but i was never like yeah i'm really feeling it yeah. aka show casino blade chronicles yeah. Yeah, yeah, smash also sure. you don't get it whatever <laughs> doesn't matter it doesn't matter <laughs> the point is i was never really feeling it yeah i was just like i don't know what i'm doing i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing I feel really confused. And that was my overall impression is I feel confused. I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. I probably will not buy this game is my ultimate assessment well, of Damon X Magnum based on the demo. I mean, and that's the point of demos. That's kind though, of the point of the demo. Help you decide if you want to so, do it I mean, or not. If the game eventually launches later this year and people are like, oh my gosh. It's so much better than the demo. Mm. I might really give it another try because it, the premise seems really interesting. It's very anime styled. So if you're not really into that, it probably won't really resonate with you. But it would, with considering the lack of real characterization that the demo was able to prevent present in its condensed time, along with the super sense of confusion that I had about the whole experience, it just didn't come off to me as a game that I would actually want to invest time and money in. Huh. Yeah. Disappointing. So play it for yourself. The demo is out there. It's free. You can totally do it yourself. If you disagree, let me know. Mm. Maybe I just did it wrong? Question mark. I mean, but sometimes, but you know, sometimes some games just don't click with people. Sometimes they don't. I feel like that this might be one of those games for me, which is indeed disappointing. But this is not a game that I anymore have feelings of excitement for. Like that's the it. That's a bummer. The demo really <laughs> killed my enthusiasm for the game, Man, which I mean, it is useful. That's why they have demos. But also, I strongly doubt that I will actually circle back to that one. So. Shrug emoji. Shrug emoji. But <laughs> one game that we probably will circle back around to, or actually we will. Like oh, we will. We're gonna circle back we're around to this game because we played the demo for this one. It. We loved it. Yoshi's Crafted World, which is out now. Which is out now. It came out March 29th, yes. I believe, so, of this year. But yeah, this one again. Like I could have probably just bought the whole game because I knew I was gonna like it. And it's one that's yeah. I want to get. I think the ones I'm gonna since I brought it up. I think the ones that I'm currently looking at getting are as I want to get Sekiro because I want to catch up on that one because that one looks a lot of fun i want to get yoshi because i know a i'll enjoy it b sam will enjoy it c it's one that we can play together and enjoy so that's going to be so that's always fun i like to find those games like that and then oh there's one other one coming out in late in april this is april may we're in we're in. rage rage too oh, that's what okay. it was, was so, so, so i think those are the three that i'm kind of like eyeing right now that i want to get on I so would, i'm I catching up Yoshi's. with sekiro so sekiro then, is uh, frustrating I've heard, but I've, yes. I'm also like very curious about it. I can't blame you for that. Just letting it you know. It looks a lot of fun. I mean, in terms of fun, I think you will probably get more fun points fun, out of Yoshi. A.K.A. <laughs> throwing my controller in rage. But, you know, yes. that's fun. Can be. It's a game. It's for, some be, for some people. <laughs> but getting back to Yoshi's Crafted World. This game is a delight. It is a delight. The so, exact opposite of Damon X Machina. Exactly, and, and the exact opposite of Sekiro, really. It's, like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's the opposite of all of those in more ways It's lighthearted, than it's happy, it's cute, and it's crafty. It is in a crafty, good way. absolutely. Not in a, not in a mischievous way. And if anybody just wasn't sure about this, again, Yoshi's Crafted World is a Switch exclusive. Yes. So just you can't play it unless you have a Switch. But that being said, we have both played the demo by now, which is really just one and a half mm -hmm. kind of trial levels. It's freely available on the Nintendo eShop and really once you play these very small handful of trial levels unlike Damon X Machina Yoshi's Crafted World demo gives you a 
perfect snapshot of it what really does of what you can expect, and it does leave you wanting more. Well, because I will say, you finish the demo and you complete everything you can do in the demo, and you're talking to this other character who's kind of a robot character. I didn't catch the name, but you're talking to him, and he's just like, "Hey, you know, thanks." You completed a little side errand for him, and then and then you are able to, and then he's like. I hope you enjoyed this. Here's what you know. Here's what you can see more, and it gives you this quick montage video of all the di- of some of the different levels and, exactly. and everything for Yoshi's Crafted World. And some of them looked so some fun. of them looked so awesome. One of them I think was uh, themed around like Japanese crafting and like origami. One was like a giant skeletal Yoshi yeah, chasing dude, after you in like crazy. a lava level. So you know, <laughs> one of the Bowser esque lava levels from Mario. But what really makes this one so endearing, I think, is its look. In the aesthetic of the game, when it says Yoshi's Crafted World, it's not lying. Everything looks like it's made of cardboard, plasticky things, something that, you know. It's a toy town. It's a toy town. It's a toy yeah. town. It's, it is very much the spiritual success for, successor to Yoshi's Woolly World, mm-hmm. which was unfortunately. Yoshi even kind of looks. He even Yoshi, looks Yoshi similar. Looks similar to So you. he's yeah. not made of yarn anymore in Yoshi's Crafted World, but he still has this, this kind of like felted, crafty look mm-hmm. to him. Yoshi's Woolly World, for as good of a game as, as it is, it carries the curse of the Wii U. It came out for a very unpopular system that mm-hmm. did not have a high adoption rate. So Yoshi's Woolly World is a great game. It's a fun game, but it was on the Wii U. And by nature of the beast, it just kind of got overlooked. It's a really fun platformer. And I feel like now kind of having this fresh start Yoshi's crafted world on the Switch is going to give people a very equivalent experience to Yoshi's Woolly World. Just more up to date, even mm-hmm. more beautiful, and on a system that many more people have adopted. Well, and I think it's interesting that this is the third game that I can think of that I feel like Nintendo has really done this of a repackaging slash re-release of a game that of one of their core franchises from the Wii U, bringing it over to the Switch. Case in point: Yoshi's Woolly World, Yoshi's Crafted World, uh, Mario Deluxe Wii. You to the ones that just came out for Switch. That's like Super Mario Brothers Deluxe. You yes. Did yeah, I say? I, I don't think I said the Wii no, U one right. I, I get. I, I get what you're saying. Though. And then the, so you and mean then there was new Donkey Super Kong. Mario Brothers Wii U? Yes. To the re-release on Switch. Super which, Deluxe. Yes. U. Super yeah. Mario Brothers Deluxe. I see what you're U. saying. And then there was Donkey Kong Tropical. F- there was a Donkey Kong game on the Switch on the on the Wii U that that now is is completely. Is it tropical? I think it's still tropical freeze. They just right, re-released right, right. it on the switch on the with switch, all yeah. that new stuff. With the new You're stuff, you exactly the easy right. Mode. Yeah. So yeah, so it's interesting how they're how they're taking these ones from the Wii U that I think they they're like these are great games. And Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, I played a little bit of it on this. Oh no no no! I played the one on the Wii. So the so I missed the Wii U version completely, but still I did. It's just still it's interesting that they're like these games are great, and that you feel like they know that. But from what I've played from all their Switch versions, they are great games. Exactly. So it's great that they gave them a second chance and a new choice and I a new br- chance at life, basically. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, Yoshi's Crafted World, just for anybody that hasn't played a Yoshi game kind of more recently or that didn't play Yoshi's Woolly World, if you are familiar with the old Yoshi games, like I'm talking Yoshi's Island mm-hmm. from like the N64 days, it plays and feels 
like that. Like that kind of lighthearted gameplay is exactly what you're in for. So, of course, the gist of the game is you're Yoshi. You're an adorable Yoshi. You've got your tongue, blah, blah, blah. And you and, and, got, fl- and you're like, hover yeah, jump. Yeah, you've got your <gasps> flutter jump. Yeah, you've got your flutter jump. You've got your tongue thingy. And, of yep. course, you can throw your eggs, which in Yoshi's Woolly World were actually balls of yarn. But I think in Crafted World, they're just eggs, they're aren't eggs, they? They're eggs, but yeah. you can create them by either there will be boxes similar to Mario yeah. or crates in the air that you can jump and hit. And they're, they're colored like his eggs, like the green and white splotches. And if you jump up and hit those eggs will pop out and they'll follow behind you. And then you can throw them, which is a super fun mechanic. It is. So the throwing of the eggs is an integral part of being able to take out enemies and mm-hmm. throw things. So this is where Yoshi's crafted world really got me is that it does take advantage of a really interesting take on a 3d plane. Yes. Because when you look at it, it, it's so interesting. So when you look at it, it's like a 2d side scroller, mm-hmm. right? But as it turns out with depth, like it's, with it's depth. like the background is kind of blurred out, but yes. there's stuff going on. You can kind of see there's some definitely things. things happening back yeah. there. And even in the foreground to a certain extent. And somehow they made the controls work really well that if you're trying to throw an egg and if you slightly tilt the analog stick more into the background or into the foreground, you can shoot front and forwards. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, front and forwards. Either backwards or forwards. <laughs> I just agree. The two same things <laughs> in either direction. Uh, it's really interesting that not only can you throw on the 2D plane, you can also throw your eggs into the 3D plane. Right. Which made, made it feel really interesting. And gave it that twist of like, oh, this is unexpected. I mean, and it kind gave of it a nice surprise. To be completely like base level, it gave it depth. It, yeah, it, it really cr- did. That's exactly right. But like in a different way, it feels different. And I don't know if I can necessarily put words to describe how it feels different, but something about its look and being able to to interact with the foreground and the background so seamlessly while you're still in this like semi, it honestly kind of reminds me to the look and feel. Granted, it's a completely different art style of um, Octopath Traveler. How, like, stuff oh, in front of that you... that 2D, 3D look. 3D I look. see what you're saying. It kind of had that same feel to me. But it's really rich. It's really colorful. Buildings look like they're made out of cardboard. Oh, the other way you can get eggs is by eating Shy Guys with your tongue. All which, right. honestly, I kind of feel bad doing. Well, they're... Because they don't look yeah, mean and menacing like don't. Goombas. <laughs> no, they're you know? not. They're just poor little Shy Guys. Yeah. I mean, I assume that any enemy you eat, this is just the demo levels, of course, but anything you eat will become an egg. Yeah, I, I think that's what it looks like. Except, I don't think... Because you can't eat them. You can't eat the piranha plants. No, I think you just kill them. You by just kill them by the throwing eggs at the eggs. them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, you can go around and you can find collectibles. You're collecting coins. You're trying to... Uh, but then you can also use the... Not only to... The egg throwing mechanic, you know, like we've already talked about. It's great because you can use it... Where's my note? I lost my note. Oh, there you go. You can use the... You can throw the eggs to, you know unlock pathways which is one really cool you'll like see a cloud a cloud with a wings and a question mark if you throw an egg at it it's and hit it it's gonna like a, a platform is gonna roll down or like a rope ladder or something for you to cross a, a gap in between buildings or to open up a new pathway for you to go into the background or into one of the buildings which is really fun too but then not only does it have this 2d 2D and a half to 3D or 3D feel to it 2.5d thank you you can also <laughs> each level also has or a front side and a flip side. Yeah, now that was cool. So this was something of the demo that I was like, oh, what a delightful surprise. Mm-hmm. Because it's actually, it really is reminiscent of both the star levels from Mario Galaxy 
and the green star levels, which were like, hey, how else can we build on this and take you more outside of the box? So it's that view of, hey, here's the level. Oh, also, we're literally going to flip it exactly around and you're going to be on the other side. And here's a whole new level for you. Right. A whole I new way love, to interact with it. I love that approach. I, I think too. it is a really cute and clever way to give you more content of a game that is already really enjoyable. And so as an example of that, say for in this level, which was the Sunshine... Sunshine, sunshine Station. Sunshine the, the Station. The goal of this level was like a train gets knocked apart by uh, by uh, the a magic Koopa. A magic Koopa. And did I say that right? Magic Koopa. 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 I say magic Koopa. Magic Koopa. The guy who's on the, on the clouds called. flies around and he looks like a wizard and he I mean, like, he might. Like, oh. <laughs> Actually, you know, I think they're called comics. I just always called the Magic Koopas. Yeah, because they're like Koopas, but they wizard. have like a wand or yeah. cloud wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the point is. But anyway, so it like derails this train. You have to go find pieces for it in the in the level. Um, but you, there are all these cardboard houses, and sometimes they'll have shy guys in them and stuff like that. But when you go to the flip side, you can actually be on the back and see into these houses and, and see more coins and more things that you for you to collect. There also look to be characters like the robot character I mentioned before. After you complete the level for the first time, you you can go over to him in the stage map area where you choose the levels to play. And he, and the robot gives you a mission to a mission. That sound makes it sound so serious. A errand. We'll call that. He gives you a suggestion, a suggestion, of something that he you wants can to do. find crafting souvenirs. That's what it calls it. And he wants five cows. And so basically you have to go back through the level you just played and find five cardboard cow cutouts and throw an egg and hit it. Hit it with an egg to collect it for this person's collection, and then when you do, you you he'll reward you. In this case, the robot gave a smiley flower, which is what you're trying to collect because those are what you can collect to unlock the new levels for you to go to. So, for example, for people that are familiar with like the Mario games more recently that have stamps, green stars, mm-hmm. all these things the that moons. you're trying, the moons that Those you're trying to collect to get a 100% on any level, that's exactly what purpose this serves. It's like, right. hey, you've already gotten two out of three. I actually think there might be five flowers per level. Uh, I think in this first one, there's 10 you can potentially Are unlock. there really per yeah. level? Holy crap. Well, in, the, in this... In this level okay, that we played. Right, right. So there's X amount of flowers. We'll just leave it up for debate. Um, and for the people that want to get that 100% on every level, these additional little errands that mm-hmm. you can do to go back into the same levels, replay them, but still have something new to focus on, something new to target, that's a really fun way to just add that extra layer of playtime, oh, yeah. that extra layer of fun to any of the levels. Because it's amazing how with 2D side-scrolling games... The focus is very direct. Get from point A to point B. This addition of, hey, that's actually not what you're doing here. Yes, you do have to eventually get to the goal, but what you're doing on the way is very different than what you did the first time. We need you to find very specifically blank, blank, and blank. That's just a really nice, fun, interesting way to get you to look more intensely Mm -hmm. at the world that Yoshi's Crafted World has built. And I think that's a really clever way to get people more involved in the surroundings, which is the draw of a game like this. Yep, it absolutely is. But in... As complete contrast to Damon X Machina. Complete contrast. It completely sold us on the game. I mean, I think we, to be fair, I think we had a slight bias going in, knowing that there's a very good chance we we're probably going to love the game already. But it's it did Yoshi. nothing. Exactly. <laughs> but this demo did nothing but reaffirm the positive feelings I already had towards exactly. this game. Exactly. Yeah. And it just looks like it's going to be a world of fun. <laughs> 
and delights. <laughs> and delights. Delights. <laughs> So that wraps up our thoughts on these two game demos, and really, I guess you could roll in a third, the third topic of the Epic Games Crunch, yeah. kind of into there. That that took more time than we was originally planning, but still, it's, we have a lot of fiery opinions a, on it. We have it. fiery opinions. They may not be totally accurate, but we got opinions. M- damn it, m- mine are. <laughs> <laughs> but we would love to hear your opinions as well. So, if you have any additional thoughts on the Epic Games Crunch, Crunch in general, and the and that you would like to share with us, or your opinions on Damon X Machina demo. And Yoshi's Crafted World, if you've played more into the game and have those thoughts that you want to share. I want to hear people's fiery opinions on Yoshi's Crafted World. (laughs) Give us your hot takes. Give us your hot takes. Give us your negative hot takes. (laughs) I challenge someone to find something negative to say about Yoshi's Crafted World. I really want someone to send us like a flame review of Yoshi's Crafted World. Zero out of ten. This game sucks. It sucks. (laughs) To paraphrase. But still, enjoyable nonetheless, but we would still love to hear your, your thoughts and opinions on those games if you've played them. But before we go, we do have to do our soundtrack spotlight for this week, and we are going to feature music from Yoshi's Crafted World. And we're going to play the title theme, which is a lovely, it just really fits. It sounds, I was saying to Mogan when we were listening to it and prepping for the episode, I just, it sounds like the music you would hear playing in a toy shop. It just yes. has that childish feel. It uh, kind of sounds uh, like a xylophone just being kind of plinked around. I could like be wrong on the instrument. Like a wind-up toy box. That's exactly. What it it like. just really sounds, it's just this light-hearted, whimsical feel that matches perfectly with the setting and the aesthetic of the game world. So, without further ado, we're going to give you Yoshi's Craft World title theme composed by Kazuf- Kazufumi Umeda. And with that, that concludes this episode of Team Chat Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, I'm one of your hosts, Jared Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Sayonara. We'll see you all next time. Stick around for the song.